Hello and welcome to this episode of the Keeping the Peace podcast with me, Alexis Powell Howard. Today, I'm really pleased to be joined by Yvonne Taylor. Yvonne has been a police officer for 26 years, serving in both North and West Yorkshire in a variety of roles and is currently seconded to the National Police Wellbeing Service. Yvonne has a particular interest in shift work, driver fatigue and performance impairment, along with overall well-being, and she has completed her doctorate entitled Shift Workers, Fatigue Driving and the Impact on Road Safety, an investigation involving police service employees. In this conversation, we discuss the research and the impact of fatigue, as well as sharing where to find further support and information. I hope you enjoy this conversation. You're listening to the Keeping the Peace podcast, produced in collaboration between Oscar Kilo, the National Police Wellbeing Service, and Fortis Therapy and Training. Hi, Yvonne. Thanks for joining me today. Hi. Hi. Um, Yvonne, now you've had 26 years of service in the police. So tell me a bit about how you became a police officer and you know what kind of took you down this, this path for the last 26 years. Um, it's something I'd always kind of been interested in, but I did um, a couple of university courses first. Uh, and then when I moved down to Yorkshire, I started looking at it again. Um, initially joined West Yorkshire Police served 10 years there before transferring over the border uh, to North Yorkshire, did another 13 years there and then went back again the other way back to uh, back to West Yorkshire. So oh, you've moved around moved for a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you've done a you've done a big kind of variety of different roles, haven't you, in, in that time? Yeah, I've pretty much always been in uniform positions, um, but I've done a fair few different roles. Um patrol I've spent a lot of my time in roads policing uh, initially I thought I would just be a roads policing officer for all my service that's mm. where my interest was um but then started looking at other things looked at promotion and and worked um in partnership roles in a staff officer role um custody policies and procedures making you know trying to keep custody safe for for detainees and that sort of thing so yeah a few different few different things along the way yeah, varied, really varied. Yeah. yeah. And what, when you talked about roads policing, what was it about that that you thought you would stick with, you know, until you kind of moved from that position? I was just really interested in it. I was, uh, my, my first degree was kind of based around mechanical engineering. Um, my my master's was in um, biomedical engineering science which is wow biomechanics of the body and wheelchair adaptations and various things like that so I've always kind of been interested in in mechanics and and the mechanics of humans as well so um roads policing and the kind of collision investigation side of things and what happens to 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 us to to bodies in collisions is Mm. has always kind of interested me so yeah spent a lot a lot of time in in roads policing mm, it's a lot of fascination there about all of that kind of what what makes everything work I guess that's what kind of sounds like yeah, to me yeah that's yeah. kind of it yeah. yeah so you've been seconded to um the National Peace Wellbeing Service how long have you been seconded for how long have you been doing I've only been with them just coming up for a year now right okay and what's your role within um Oscar Kilo so my role there is mainly to lead on um, on all the various sleep and fatigue projects um, that we do. Um, my PhD was in in shift work and driver fatigue amongst my colleagues. 
Um, the national surveys that Oscar Kilo have done have shown that lack of sleep um, and fatigue are, are a big problem in policing. So I lead on a, on a number of projects that focus on that area and try to provide some solutions, some mitigation, some you know various services that will help officers and staff to mm. to cope with um, with sleep deprivation or shift work a little bit easier. Mm. It's a fascinating subject, isn't it? Because sleep is something that we we absolutely need on a kind of rhythmic basis to kind of keep as well and help with our recovery. And um, I mean, obviously I work at it from a mental health perspective and emotional wellbeing perspective in terms of the training we deliver and the therapeutic work. And often offices are quite, they are fatigued and it's been a kind of cumulative uh, process that they've gone through to actually be so fatigued. Yeah. Um, tell me the, um, you know, I'm, I'm interested in your research and, and you know what came out of that research what were the things that kind of was anything that surprised you was there anything that's kind of new that came from that um I was surprised at how much my colleagues trusted me and how much they spoke with me and gave me what I felt were honest answers mm. in some of the questionnaires that I did um and some of the, the studies that that they helped me with um no no massive surprises um really other than I suppose in the early days when I started asking around um, collisions that they'd had or near misses that they'd had on their way to and from work, um, I was quite surprised at, at the numbers, um, the numbers there. And then I'd, I'd looked at, um, very sadly, I'd looked at the figures of, of officers. There's lists of officers that um, die in mm -hmm. service. And a lot of them are whilst commuting to and from work. Oh, um, so I'd looked at those figures as well. And although not all of them can be attributed to, to falling asleep or to being fatigued, we know that a number of them, a number of them are. And of course, you know, there have been some, some cases that have been in the media in relation to, um, to colleagues that have lost their life in that way. So, so anything really that, that we can do to, to help and mm. to try and educate people about dealing with with shift work and dealing with fatigue can only be a good thing I think in, in my mind anyway yeah absolutely and I mean we've all been there I know I've I, when I was thinking about talking with you I was thinking about the times that I've driven and just thought you know it's it's a we can kind of go into the automatic pilot approach mm -hmm. to driving can't we not even know we've driven there but but there's something about that those waves of fatigue that come over you when you're driving because of it it's so it is quite hypnotic if you're in that place as well isn't it um yeah. and it's it's incredibly scary it's only it takes a second and, and you know and it's obviously either life changing or potentially life ending which is terrifying really when you put it in those terms yeah absolutely what, what impacts did you find or do you find in terms of the shift work um how does that impact on people's uh, levels of fatigue it varies really i think it depends on the shift patterns and it depends on individuals some people have a a much greater tolerance for shift work or for sleep loss than than others and I think it depends probably what else is going on in your life at the time as well you know someone might have young children or might be a carer for for another relative and it depends on on the demands of of everyday life so I think it's different for everyone um, but there's definitely shift patterns that are better for us and help us to cope with it mm. it's not natural to work shifts no so you know no. We, 
we just have to do our best and to try and give people the, the tools and the the advice to to try and manage it as best they can do you, do you think that officers have recognized the impact of shifts you know because i think it i mean it's something that is expected and obviously needs to happen it's a 24 hour a day service yeah but but it's um you know i i know people that i've known who've worked shifts often don't give themselves that chance to recover i don't think about how they're going to approach sleep it's almost like oh I, i'll either get some or i won't do you know what i mean it's not actually yeah. thought about that much now, do you think that officers understand the impact of not having the right sleep pattern or not thinking about the sleep probably not i think and and i've been guilty of it certainly when i when i was younger we all just think we'll cope and and we carry on just doing what we do with the best of intentions um and i think they don't understand the sort of cognitive impact that it has yeah. as well on your abilities to drive your abilities to to do your work you might you know you might get short you're more likely to to lose your your temper some previous re research in in the states has shown that there's more complaints when officers are tired oh really that's interesting yeah because they're tired and and grumpy and less capacity yeah, for tolerance tolerant. Yeah, yeah less tolerant with people so there's there's a lot of different impacts and i think a lot of the time when you're younger as well you cope with it a lot better um and there's too many other interesting things going on so but i mean i certainly know as as i got older i struggled with with shift work and i was probably latterly working what i thought was the best pattern that that we can use in in policing um but even so i wasn't sleeping as well as i should have done or for as long as i needed mm. whilst i was working shifts and then on my days off i was spending too much time probably trying to recover and then you just straight back into the cycle again when you when you're back at work so mm. i was starting to struggle with it mm. it sounds a bit like a hamster wheel when you put it like that that actually if you don't stop it for if you don't stop the wheel yeah. and get off and just actually give yourself a chance that you, you you just kind of keep going in that way and and it is I mean, it has health implications doesn't it longer term definitely yeah and there's mm. you know there's acute or uh, and or chronic sleep yeah. deprivation so you might just be sleep deprived if you've had an overnight flight and not had enough sleep and you'll soon recover from that but if you're working shifts then that can be chronic and can go on for a number of years where you're not getting enough sleep so it's yeah it's it's a difficult one mm. and when you're kind of putting that into the context of um of driving and road safety um what kinds of um i suppose strategies or solutions can officers put in place in order to be able to I guess manage and, and counterbalance the the risks of that that fatigue. Yeah, I think um, they need to be aware of it. They need to certainly be aware, you know, particularly if they're driving at speed or driving for long periods of time through the night, taking regular breaks, preparing for shift work, making sure they're well rested before they come to work, mm -hmm. um, getting the opportunity for breaks at work, which is very difficult in policing because it's unpredictable, yeah. but the you know the organization and the the employee or the the officer both both have a responsibility mm. to try and make sure that that things work well the 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 police officer or member staff has the responsibility to make sure they're fit or as fit as they can be for work so and that includes being well rested and not kind of burning the candle at, at both mm. ends 
and of course the organization has has a responsibility too under health and safety legislation mm. for making sure that that everything's safe in the workplace and and that um that shift patterns are suitable and that sort of thing mm. so one of the things i see therapeutically is levels of burnout you know because of that lack of recovery but also like you you alluded to depending on what else is going on in in the lives yeah um if you're really stressed by something or you're struggling mentally or feeling really low it almost is a is a it's a dangerous cocktail isn't it from a from a fatigue perspective yeah absolutely I mean lack of lack of sleep causes mental health problems mental health problems cause lack of sleep and it Mm. and it can be a vicious circle Mm. so when you're looking at the projects that you do kind of what kinds of things do you put in place or what information do you put out there to to support people with understanding this further so one of the projects um that we've well we've done a pilot work pilot of already um and we've got a a randomized controlled trial going on at the moment is with um some experts at washington state university right and they've looked at um utilizing actigraphs which is a a watch type device a bit like a fitbit Mm -hmm. to measure um sleep quantity and quality they'll then deliver um, a training session, which is fairly brief. It's only about an hour's hour's training session in terms of uh, sleep hygiene, health, exercise, diet, those kind of things. The officers will will put that into practice for a period of four to six weeks, and then they'll wear the the actigraph again. Mm -hmm. And so they can um, compare the before and after, if you like, as, you know, has the education and putting that into practice improved? Mm. Um, and certainly in the pilot study that did improve um, sleep quality and quantity, Brilliant. reduced um, the sort of burnout effects and post-traumatic uh, stress symptoms as well, um, hypervigilance, those kind of things. You know, there was yeah. a, a reduction in those symptoms, which is which is great. So we've got a, a randomised control trial ongoing with that at the moment as a follow up. Um, and we'll see what the what the results of, of that show. Um, we've had another um, study that has just concluded in relation to sleep disorders, which again has had an educational element to it. Um, and then um, officers and staff have had the opportunity to go on and complete a, a series of questionnaires, really, that validated questionnaires in terms of sleep apnea, burnout, uh, insomnia, shift work, sleep disorder, those kind of you know sleep disorders to see if they may be at risk and if they are at risk, then a letter is automatically being generated for them to take to their GP for further mm-hmm. investigation. Um, and we've got um, some webinars and a better sleep toolkit that's available um, via the website at the moment as well, which uh, has been done by Dr. Sophie Bostock. And she, she, this is the second series of webinars that she's done for us as well. And that's that's all based on feedback from from the national survey, mm. from um, from her own feedback that she's received from from the first series, so different topics again in relation to that, with you know dealing with with children, with menopause, with night terrors, lots of different topics, which you know whatever is is relevant and current, and and um, officers and staff have have asked for. Mm. So there's, there's a number of things ongoing. 
Yeah, this is, I mean, it's a huge area, isn't it? We, we take for granted that we should be able to sleep and that is just what we have to do. But actually, in my experience, it's the first thing that people struggle with yeah. when when things aren't going well or if they're out of the, the rhythm of um, that, that they need. And I suppose when, you, when you're talking about things like sleep hygiene, just for those people who are listening, what, what do you mean by sleep hygiene? I just mean um, things like, having a sort of wind down routine at bedtime. If if you're not a shift worker, having sort of regular bedtime, wake up time routines, um, closing the curtains, having, you know, having blackout blinds, making sure that the, the bedroom's not too hot, not too cold, just those kind of things that that just generally help, um, help you prepare for sleep mm. and help the sleeping environment be, mm. be the best that it can be it's like sleep training isn't it I always think about it in terms of like when you've got a baby and you're trying to try to sleep and you put you put the routine in place um so the baby knows what's coming next and it's almost like a kind of it's the it's the ritual isn't it of knowing yeah. that's the next step and then now we do this and it's the same for adults we need that that kind of um time to to unwind and I think things like you know shift work, but also things like mobile phones you know which are on 24 hours a day there's lots of things that distract us now from actually stopping and just allowing ourselves a chance to just come down a bit from the day or from the shift uh, and put things in place. And, and also things like self-medicating with having a, you know, having a beer at the end of a, of a shift and things like that. It's trying to kind of put in good habits, isn't it? Rather than having those habits that they may work short term, but actually there's a longer term health difficulty with that. Yeah, absolutely. And if you can get that routine, then it then it's great. But you know, shift workers will will never really get into that routine. But there's still things they can do in terms of minimizing minimizing noise and blackout blinds and those kind of things. Tell your family, you know, you the kind of when you're shift worker, the daytime world still goes on around you. Yes, it wakes up around you anyway. Knock at your door, want you to take in a parcel for the neighbours, or they're cutting the grass, or there's all the daily routine that everybody else has that makes it difficult for mm. for shift workers, particularly night workers, to try and get sufficient sleep. Plus, they're going against the circadian rhythm, and it's just not natural to try to mm. sleep through the day. So, your sleep is definitely not as restorative and and you know again um research shows that it's that it's shorter usually night shift workers get about two hours less sleep than than regular day shift you know mm. workers so it's a big it's a lot isn't it actually if you, yeah. if you count how much that is over a period of time it's a lot yeah on a regular basis it's it's a lot to lose yeah yeah so when you're looking at things like drowsy driving what kind of tips do you give people or what kind of um strategies help to reduce the the risk of drowsy driving mm. i think the big thing for me around drowsy driving is the comparison with drink driving you know and they've shown that sort of being awake for for 24 hours takes mm. you over what the legal limit is for drink driving and i think that's a big eye opener for a, for a lot of people to realize actually they could be as impaired as as a drink driver and you know the vast majority of people wouldn't dream of getting behind the wheel when they've had that much alcohol mm. but probably everybody has done it yeah whilst they've not you know they've they've not had enough sleep um so it's a tricky one but again it's around the timing of the sleep if they don't have to drive 
then then don't drive granted that doesn't work for shift workers I know that I've been <laughs> been a shift worker for yeah you've been there year, you know <laughs> so I do know that but yeah just being aware of it um I think things like um traveling to and from work with with a colleague or double crewing where possible can certainly help to have someone else there to just to talk to because you're interacting with someone you're keeping your focus and you can share the driving you know if you can share the driving it's it's always good but other than that just the the regular breaks as and when they can using caffeine strategically but that can you know we, we don't want that to have a knock-on effect to keep you awake at the end of the shift and those kind of things so it's those kind of pointers to to try and use use things like that wisely mm. I was going to ask you about that actually because I know well, we obviously know that caffeine we want less caffeine rather than more we also know that shift workers use caffeine a lot to kind of keep going yeah. um and energy drinks and you know things I always think of it almost as fake energy you know it's that kind of it gives you that hit but then there's always the down mm. but the down might not come when you need it to because you know it might come down five hours after you needed to go to sleep yeah and often when people are struggling I don't know if you're I don't know if you see this in the same way but I was going to ask you that you know sometimes when I see people are struggling they'll end up using caffeine or energy drinks to to keep going and crash at, at certain times or just not allow themselves to come off them because actually it just keeps topped up to a level but from a mental health perspective again it's that you know we don't it's not allowing themselves to come down from that or it be, becomes almost like a coping mechanism that's just yeah. running alongside is that something that you found in the research or that you've experienced yourself yeah it's not something that I've done a lot of studying on myself um but there, there is a lot of guidance out there in terms of you know how much might be too much and again I think it's probably a bit of a personal thing I, I don't feel that um I particularly notice a, a difference or a, a hit from from caffeine um and don't I don't think I have a have a problem sleeping afterwards but mm. I, I might well do just because I'm not all that aware of it yeah I might still not be getting that restorative sleep that that I need yeah um so yes it, it definitely has an effect mm. and when you're I mean obviously you've you've your I guess your um passion for this comes from your interest in the biomedical stuff that you've studied and you know you've gone on to do your doctorate and everything um why is why have you got that interest why are you so interested in sleep particularly what is it about it that's really kind of sparked your interest it came really from the impairment side of things I've as a roads policing officer, I was interested in drink driving, in, in drug driving. I was fortunate enough to um, to go and work with California Highway Patrol and, and go on a drug recognition expert course with them. Brilliant. And it was just the sort of next investigative strand for me. So thinking about impairment, yeah, I can I can rule out alcohol, I can rule out drugs. But when you're behind that driver that might be, you know, weaving across the road, as soon as you stop them and speak to them and rule out the other aspects of it, if it is because they're tired and they haven't had enough sleep, they're straight back with you. They can have a normal conversation. You wouldn't think they were tired at all because of that interaction. So it's just it's that side of it, that the investigative side of it and, and ruling things out and just finding out what's what's happening that really interested me mm -hmm. um I think 
I mean, there were a couple of couple of things in particular. The Selby rail crash, where mm. the driver came off the M62 and onto the um, the railway line, yeah. that really yeah. grabbed my attention. Mm. Um, and I also lost a colleague, not not because he'd fallen asleep, but because um, an HGV driver had fallen asleep. He'd the, my colleague had stopped to help someone at the side of the motorway, and an HGV driver that fell asleep crashed into his car um, and sadly killed him. So it's it's those kind of incidents that that really make me want to just dig a little deeper and investigate into to what's going on and yeah. what we can do in terms of the impairment. Yeah, and it's the impact of that digging deeper, isn't it? I was just thinking there's, a, there's obviously a, a, a very personal connection there as well, but a lot of intrigue about this is, and it's preventable because that's the other thing, isn't it? It's entirely preventable. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a bit we forget that, you know, actually we can talk, we've all had those situations, as I've said, but by putting some things in place, it's something that is preventable. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's part of it is tracking how you're doing and recognizing that how you are as an individual. Because as you've said, yes, the organization has a duty of care and there's, a, you know, and has to kind of manage these things and put things in place and manage that risk. But also as an individual, the individual has that, that duty of care too, don't they? Yeah. 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 And I, I don't want I don't want a colleague to not be able to hold their hands up and say, I'm struggling, you know, and, and maybe push it too far and, and for them to to either lose their life, to, to take another life, or, yeah. or simply just to end up in court because something's happened. Yeah. I don't I don't want that for anyone when it's you know when we can do something about it. So it's encouraging mm-hmm. people to talk about it as well and to you just well even just to think about it, yeah. not just to carry on regardless, but to think about what's going on and to 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 put their hand up and say, you know, something something's wrong here. I need some help or yeah. I haven't had enough sleep. And I guess also not to see it as a kind of because I think being being tired can sometimes be a bit bit of a badge of honor as well. It's like, oh, I'm really busy, I'm really tired. We have there's a lot of language around being tired, isn't there now? Yeah. I think more so than ever before. Yeah, yeah, I think so. We work yeah. and again, you know, you've mentioned mobile phones and that sort of thing already. So we we do carry on checking emails, we do all sorts out with our what would have been our normal working hours mm. because we can and because oh, I'll just have a quick look and if I can just quickly answer this one I don't have to deal with it tomorrow and mm. you know things things are very different mm. yeah so so it's about putting boundaries in place and actually having that kind of cut-off point and and being able to give yourself that space as well that just because it's there you don't need to automatically respond you don't need to actually be checking everything all yeah. the time outside of those working hours yeah. it's having that switch off time isn't it definitely yeah we definitely need time away from work to, yeah. to properly recharge the batteries yeah so just before we finish what would you say i'm putting on the spot here <laughs> what would you say um, are the kind of top tips that you would give people if they are if they're listening to this and thinking oh my god that's me you know, I'm trying to keep myself going with caffeine or I'm, I'm absolutely knackered all the time or, you know, I've got a busy home life and, you know, all these things. What would be your kind of top tips? I won't give you a number. I won't put you under that pressure. But what, <laughs> what, what would be your top tips, do you think? There's, there's lots of things, you know, if someone needs some support, then they need to reach out and, and get that support for, for whichever 
whichever strands you, you, they need to look at, whether that's via a line manager or via someone else. Mm -hmm. Don't be frightened to, to put your hand up and say you need help for, mm -hmm. for anything because there's always someone out there that, that can help. Mm -hmm. um, have a look at, at the services that are available via Oscar Kilo or via, you know, individual forces. There's, there's lots of good practice out there mm -hmm. and it's just a case of, of finding it. We don't tend to... I suppose pay much attention to it until we absolutely need it so yeah ourselves at, at Oscar Kilo and also forces are constantly putting information out there but I suppose you filter it out and and there is a bit of information overload as well because there's so many important messages and if there's yeah. so many important messages actually which one is important so there's there's lots of, of information out there that can help mm -hmm. um and it and it's just a case of talking to someone about it finding things that might work for you you know there's lots of suggestions about what you can try not everything will work for everybody no. but there's you know there's usually a, a solution um yeah lots lots of things um I think that, bit, that bit there about usually a solution I think that's really important because when people are really struggling with sleep, especially insomnia, which often happens with shift work, doesn't it? Kind of, yeah. like you said, circadian rhythms all over the place. And actually, how do I switch switch into being able to rest? Um, being able to find your own solutions and find what works for you is really important. It, it isn't the case of one size fits all because if, if that if it was as easy as that, we'd all be we'd all be following <laughs> steps one, two, three, and four. We'd all be doing that. Absolutely. Yeah. Whether you're working shifts or not. So you know, finding solutions and putting things in place. Um, and like you say, that research bit, I think that's the other thing is if you if you don't actually look for that information until you're at the point of being absolutely fatigued, um, then you, there's probably things you could have done much earlier than that that would have prevented mm. getting to that point. So I always think that research bit, and Oscar Kilo has got so much about this that it's a, it's a really great hub of information, isn't it, this kind of topic? Yeah, yeah, there's, a, there's an awful lot of stuff out there for, for a variety of topics via via Oscar Kilo. Um, but you know, there's there's other solutions as well in terms of workplace adjustments, um, flexible working, lots and lots of, of different things that that can help. Brilliant. Thank you, Yvonne. Thanks for coming to talk, to talk to me. And just for the benefit of the listeners, this is a Friday afternoon and we're both been at work. <laughs> and I did say, why, why did I think this was a good idea when we're both, we're both tired out having talk, <laughs> talking about this subject? So thanks for, thanks for spending the time with me. And also, it's really interesting subject area. And what we'll make sure when we put the podcast out is that we'll signpost people to the information so that they can access it. Because um, it, it's open to anyone, isn't it? It's not just open to police officers and police staff. People can access this information anywhere, really, on the Oscar Kida website. It's not, it's not on a hidden area of the website or anything like that, is it? There's, a, there's a lot of information that's, yeah, that's freely available. Freely available. There, are, there are some things that are specifically for, um, for yeah. staff and officers, but there is, yeah, there is a lot of information there that's, yeah. that's available to anybody that, that goes looking for it or stumbles across <laughs> it. <laughs> Good old Google search, that's what we need. Yeah. <laughs> All right, thanks ever so much, Yvonne. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Keeping the Peace podcast. It's available wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you subscribe, you'll be notified of the next episode as soon as it's available. We'd love to hear your feedback and ideas for future podcasts. So please do comment or get in touch on our social media platforms for either Fortis Therapy and Training or Oscar Kilo.